Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for In Off the Bench. I am Daniel Ball, the keeper of the peace, and I am joined by my co-hosts, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and boys, tonight do we have a gem of an episode. This is our 13th episode, and it is titled, I love this title, Lions, Triceps, and Bears. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, let's go. So, you know, and the, the title itself is going to, we're going to bring on a, a good friend of ours, a guy that we've known for a really long time. He is, um, you know, an ex, uh, I hate to say ex because, I mean, when you get to that level, like you're, you're the fucking man, let's be honest. Well, uh, a, I mean, you can say ex. I mean, look, the, the one thing I really wanted in my career was to be able to end it when I wanted to. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. So you might as well just go ahead and say it. I was like, I was there. I'm not. Look, it is what it is. We'll, we'll, we'll do it this way. We'll say, well, we're going to be talking to Alan Irvin, a former NFL athlete, oh. Detroit Lions, <laughs> a current fitness, physique, just all around like badass in the gym. Hence, hence the triceps in the title. <laughs> and just a good friend, a current football and strength and conditioning uh, coach and a, and a, a dad. Uh, we can all relate to Man. the dad part. So uh, before we get into our session tonight, Alan, I just want to talk to the boys and see how the weekend was. I'll start with Randy. We haven't talked to you in a, in a, in a little bit. So what, what happened this weekend? Uh, let me tell you something, guys. When you get to be 35, 36, you get little pleasures out of life, right? So the big or big pleasures. I got four kids. Hey, yo. So listen, I went last weekend and my birthday's coming up next week and I made a little purchase for myself. I got me the 3,200 PSI pressure washer. And let me tell you what I did all day. Saturday, your boy pressure washed every sidewalk piece of siding. I couldn't tell if I was just soaking wet from the pressure washing or the sweat because I'm fat and people sweat when they fat. But that's what I did all day Saturday. And then Sunday, man, my two oldest children went with their uh, mom and stepdad down to Gulf Shores, Alabama today. So shout out to the husband-in-law and the ex-wife. Keep my kids safe. Hey, I think you're just happy because they've taken a little bit of work off your hands. <sighs> no, 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 no. They took my babysitters away from me is what they did. Oh, shit. Yeah. They'll be back soon. Uh, no doubt. Jim. What'd you do this weekend, man? Well, unfortunately, Randy and his weekend poured into mine because what he did is what I needed to do. And I was going to pay Jamie Carrico to do it. But then Randy going to pull my man card if I do such a thing. So next thing you know, I'm outside pressure washing the house, house cleaning out the gutters, doing all that. And so I blame him. But nevertheless, I, I got to keep my man card, got the same things done. I am proud of that. Other than that, you know, baseball with my son I actually left the middle of his game to to come here he had an rbi double i figured that was a good way to leave and so here we are and i got a well manicured house and i got a son who's killing it nice Let's go. nice so i my daughter had gymnastics this weekend she had her first class it was 
fun to see her take all the living room apparatuses that she's put together and all this nonsense that she does in the house and actually apply it to an actual gym. Um, it's a, uh, one of those things where when you don't have kids, you don't think too much of the, of something like that. But when you have a kid and you see it, like it, it really touches your heart. It, it makes you feel really good. I was a proud dad moment to see her out there doing some stuff and just having a good time. So, um, bunch of just proud dad moments this weekend on my end. So, you know, hopefully, uh, next weekend we, we have no, no tears and we can, move forward with gymnastics and continue to love it because I, I i'm pretty jacked up man i out of all the things that she could do gymnastics is one that i feel like with my background and in, in strength and conditioning like it it can i can help her and there's not a lot of like female sports that i feel like i could serve a purpose in but that is one of them so i, I feel good about that guys yeah, you yeah. should, man. What are you gonna do if she chooses soccer at some point, DB? Oh, I guess move to North Mississippi and <laughs> play for the Lobos. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, you know how it is. Like, she'll just play soccer and she'll do her thing. You know, what are you gonna do when she ties? Oh, she looks. That's gonna be a loss. It's <laughs> an L. It's an L. No ribbons. No, no. One in the L column. No ties around here. All right, guys, let's uh, let's jump into this. We, I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks since we talked about it, and then we actually, you know, got the confirmation that we're going to have Alan on. Um, you know, Jim, I know that you're a little bitter still about Randy and I knowing each other for the longest amount of time, but on this podcast, Jim, you and I have known each other the least amount of time. Because Ooh. Randy and I's relationship budded in kindergarten. Shout out. Shout out, Miss Knight. Uh, and Alan and I have known each other from uh, the Country Meadow Click, the Ellendale Bears. We even went to Lambeth together. I mean, we have a relationship, a brotherhood in fitness that you just, you just don't even know. Man. And now, That's where you lost me. And now father. <laughs> Now I'm a father and I get to share that bond. So like, there's a closeness that, that, that we have, like, I feel like you slowly sliding further down the spectrum, man. You're going to have to do something, <laughs> move the floor, do something. So I'm know. the only one that comes to Tampa. Come on, quit playing. Daniel has seen me at my greatest moments and probably my worst moments as well, or at least a few of them. You, you know, man, it, and, and that's what's great about this is that, you know, we can list your resume, Alan, and, and it's, it's awesome because, like, you've made it to such high levels. You're such a competitive person, and you're still moving forward with your career and your fatherhood. But, like, we've known you from, from the OG status from the <laughs> So, like, man, right. Real. Like, we've, we've seen each other at our best and we've seen each other at our worst and we've grown together. And, like, to be honest, we've probably done some stupid stuff together, too. Yeah, at That's, some point. You know, I'm, I'm sure that will come up. But, you know, I, I just want to take a second and, and, and tell everybody a quick little story about, about my man, Alan Irvin. Oh, here. man. So when one of the things that you guys 
probably know is that Allen is built like a, a brick shit house. He's strong. He's athletic. He is, he, he's just a brick. And I saw Allen when he wasn't a brick, but I did know that he had it in him to be just the strongest person on earth because I saw Allen on a bike one day and he was giving it hell. And just, I was going to guys, miles an hour. just give you guys a little insight. Allen wasn't the fondest person of dogs. Like I had two dogs and he oh, really wasn't very fond of them. But anyhow, he's on his bike and he runs into a brick mailbox, lays the mailbox out, bricks explode. He falls out. Like we all think Alan's dead. And he might have been for a brief for a brief second. But come to find out, he comes to and he tells us there was a dog chasing me. And I I, I wanna say to this day it was like a little Yorkie or like oh, it was. Tiny, tiny <laughs> before before I passed out after I hit the mailbox. I remember the dog, it was a little black dog, and it came up and sniffed me. And I remember saying some of the worst words ever. I was like, I can't believe I hit this MF in mailbox because of you. And this dog's just sniffing at me. It just walks off. I'll pass out. I don't remember anything else. So it, it was that day that I knew Alan could not eat, could not only take licks, but he could deliver them. So like <laughs> When you go head up with Alan Irvin, if you're in an Oklahoma drill with Alan Irvin, like you need, you need to and, and let me just say, I've been on the wrong side of that hit. And uh, I think I should just go ahead and tell you, he stepped on me after he laid me out. So tonight, Alan, we're, we just want to wrap with you a little bit about, you know, we're, we're going to get into college life, your professional life, um, your time with, with, the NFL, your your fitness career, your coaching, your strength and conditioning career, you being a father, just overall, just life, man, just giving people a perspective that they don't normally get from a guy who's been in in the trenches in the locker room, just just doing it all. So, um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut loose. Randy's gonna ask you, you know, move into some college life, but man, I. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being on. It's good to see your face, man. It's good to hear from you. I was like, man, I appreciate y'all having me, and, and thank you for the opportunity. All right, Randy. So, Alan, we've been your biggest guest to date, right? Sorry, John John. Sorry, Lawrence Dockery. My favorite guest. Always a good shout-out to Bolton High School alum. That's right. um, oh, three. That's right. See, see, we're 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 o two. So you know that was the best class, but y'all second best. It's fine. Look, I do got a question for you though on that Bolton that o three thing. So you know, so I got a question. I got to figure this out after we graduate. It's like like when Jim and and them boys played. Uh, they kind of sucked, man. So they didn't win a lot. Oh no, I got I got to understand what happened after they left. Why y'all start winning? You know what? I I will say this. Let me go ahead and say say um, that they paved the way for us to be great. Oh, you know? humble, humble. <laughs> but at the exact same time, man, I remember, uh, I think, man, they really made me and some of the other guys work extremely hard. I'll never forget, I think, my sophomore year, I was trying to start at fullback and I was trying to play linebacker too. 
And I will, will never forget some of the battles that I had with Jeremy Meeks. Like, that was one of the biggest dudes ever. Yeah. And, like, I know he wanted to take my head off, and I just wanted to take his off. And I, I think they helped us sort of find that that competitive nature. And, man, once we were able to, to put it into a system that worked, man, we all were able to, to do better things. Yeah, so what, what, how old were you? Were you in high school? Were you later in your career? When did you think, like, man, you know what? I can take this to the next level. I can, I can do something more than play for the Ellendale Bears. Uh, it wasn't even that. I think uh, I will never forget. The, the first time that I, I, I wanted to play, I, I was at a – man, I, I can't even remember the name. It was a little elementary school in Cordova. There was a kid named Jarvis. He had a gold chain on – I thought he was the coolest dude ever. He had like a little 24 Swag. on Man. And he asked, he was like, man, Alan Jarvis Mar Collier was his name. Yes. Man. I've, I've been trying to, like, what's he doing? Shout out to Jarvis Collier. Man, he was the first person that ever asked me, hey, why don't you come play football with me and my friends? And I was like, I'm going to ask my dad. As soon as I got home, my dad was excited. That's what started it all. And, like, even when I was about 10, I told my dad, I was like, yo, I want to play football. I was like, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And luckily, I was able to accomplish it and, and have fun all the way to it. There were a lot of um, moments where I, I thought I wasn't going to play or should I play, but I'm thankful that I was able to continue. What's your favorite moment in a Bolton Wildcat uniform? Oh, God, man, that morning that we woke up, and I found those paw prints on the way to school. Man, hands down, I was yeah. like, oh, it's going down. That, that has to be it. What was the biggest difference going from Bolton High School to Lambeth? Dude, I'm not going to lie to you. From Bolton to Lambeth, it really wasn't a, a big difference. Um, man, by the time I graduated, it pretty much was Allen run right, Allen run left. <laughs> and, I was about it. and I was like, cool, let's go. So, um, the, what, so the talent, was there a big talent disparity from Bolton to Lambeth? Uh, no, I think it was, it was filled with a bunch of guys that were extremely hungry and they wanted an opportunity to show themselves. Unfortunately, they just, for, for whatever reason, they weren't recruited. That was pretty much it. Man, Look, I happened, to, I happened to spend some time with one of your teammates at Lambeth. Uh, uh, everybody knows him now as J.A. Allen or <laughs> – you know, so, so uh, I, hey, he used to tell me the Jesse, war stories. Man, hey, man, I think if you ask Jesse, he'll tell you I was the first person. I think I forgot what game it was. And, man, I had like six kickoff returns. I was tired, but I was ready to go. And he was like, Er, you going to let me get this one? And I looked at him. I was like, yeah, but don't mess it up. <laughs> and, man, he went out there. He, he did great. I think he had about a 15, 20-yard return. And, man, that actually sort of helped him get more opportunities. So You would have took it to the house, though. Oh, I, I like to think so. But, man, Jesse, Jesse was fast, and he's extremely agile. Yeah, no doubt. So me and Jesse played some basketball together. And uh, long story short, we both got kicked out of a church gym for cussing each other out. That's crazy. But I will tell you this. I can see church it. Y'all out there. We was in a church gym. <laughs> on the Look, Alan, we was on the same team. And got into it. And, you know, hey, just two competitors uh, and, and got into it. I felt like uh, he missed a play. He felt like he didn't. Yeah. So, there we go. Look, and uh, I, we weren't allowed to go back. Man, that's just him. 
I was like, and he will tell you about it and tell you about it. And sometimes you just have to look at him and say, look, man, calm down, bro. Shout out Jesse Farrell. Man, but he's a good dude. And some of his music he's been putting out is is a whole lot better than when he started, man. He got up. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. A little bit. Yeah, shout out. Shout out to Jay Allen. He's doing his thing, still doing his thing all these years later. Shout out to Keep Trying to Make It. All right, so before we transition to the NFL, I got a pretty good memory. People tell me about it. And, Allen, I remember that play now. And I remember why I overlooked you. We were doing first-team defense against first-team offense. But, of course, you know, some people play both ways. So, naturally, as a second-teamer, I got to play safety. And me and Floyd were on the other side. And that's why Floyd wasn't the running back. Vic was. And, you know, Vic rode home with me every day. And we did a lot of trash talking. And I thought to myself, I'm going to light Vic up because – Coach Tippett had called a blitz from the safety spot. And so I wasn't even studying you. And that was the <laughs> worst mistake ever because we got in that A gap. And I i can't believe my helmet didn't fly off my head. And then, like I said earlier, I'm pretty confident you stepped on me on the way by just to just to rub it in a little bit. So No, it, it wasn't about that. I, I really – when I, I looked at the game, I think at a young age, uh, I was able to um, – to take out all my problems in that arena. Um, of course, I, I'm not going to say even act like I'm perfect. I did get my fair share of trouble. But for the most part, I was able to take whatever was bothering me for the day and, and sort of put it into that. And, man, coupled with the fact that I, I really wanted to be good with it, and, and, of course, my faith involved, man, I just felt like I could take it to another level. And, and I was blessed to be around a lot of good people. Like, I remember going to D1 with Floyd and David. And I remember them pushing me to be a little bit better than than everybody else that was in my grade. Like, they took me everywhere. And, and man, without people consistently helping me and sort of guiding me along the way, I don't think I would have ever got where I was going. But I was able to learn a, a, a ton of lessons as well so yeah that's awesome that uh you channeled it that way I've heard a lot of athletes say that and I think that is a great thing to do and shout out to Floyd because that is a great dude so let's transition to the NFL what was it like going from your last college game to your first job in the NFL dude I'm not gonna lie to you my last college game me and my dad were hugging and we both were crying because we thought that was it like I absolutely thought that was the last game I'd ever play and and a, a local trainer here reached out and he said, hey, man, let's go ahead and start training. And, you know, playing in the NFL was something that I prayed for since I was about 10. And that's what most people don't realize. Like, I consistently prayed almost every single night for that. But I also backed it up with, with my actions. Even in college, I did go out a little bit. But for the most part, whenever everybody else was going out, I was going to the weight room where I was doing something else. So... I think it's a certain point I realized, hey, this could be a chance, albeit it might be a very slim chance. I figure I might as well go ahead and try. I'm like, at no point in my life was I ever going to have that much time to do this ever again. You so saying I, that Jay Allen didn't get to, he didn't go out though? He wasn't in that weight room, which I know he wasn't. Look, I, I was there most of the times by myself. And what they say, you weren't in the gym with me shooting them shots. I'm just saying. <laughs> He's but I'm not here to deny or confirm anybody yeah. else's involvement no, in the gym. Other that's than it. I'm just here to tell you what I was doing. 
What I think is beautiful about what you just said is for anybody who might be listening at any age as an athlete and think that, you know, they possibly can't make it, just know that, you know, drive and determination, putting in the work, you know, you have a shot if you're willing to work that hard. And so that's what I love is you're sending the message that, hey, it didn't come easy. You had to work and get every bit of it. You spent all your off time doing that. You uh, you definitely inspire with that. And so uh, NFL, man, I got to see you on some uh, on some games. Uh, my, my boy Chuck, you know, in the Navy, diehard Detroit fan. And he was like, you know him? I was like, yeah. And I, we were watching you on TV. And it was crazy, man. I was like – Man, Swerving Allen Irvin is running the rocks. So tell me about that. Dude, it was it was amazing. Uh, my first year, I ended up being on the practice squad. Um, I actually got released like a week after, excuse me, they had made cuts. And I ended up coming home and I thought they I thought it was over with. And about a month later, they actually they reached back out, brought me back. I ended up going to I think Baltimore, New England. And then uh, Green Bay within a span of like three weeks to work out for them. And then Detroit reached back out and they were like, look, we just didn't want you to go through camp. They ended up signing me to the practice squad and I stayed there for the entire year, except for like a week, which if you want to hear about this, it's a different story. It's when I had my first child. But man, I was able to, to get a lot of experience. The second year, man, the first preseason game that we played, I ended up having almost 100 all purpose yards in half of the third quarter, and then I ended up getting hurt. And then from there, man, it just it's, it seemed like I couldn't stay healthy. And that's really what, what ended it. Um, man, I think back about it, and I'm like, man, if I just could have stayed healthy, man, I had so many people telling me how much money I was going to make and how long I was going to play. But at the end of the day, I'm thankful that I had the experience and I'm able to provide kids a different experience than what I had growing up because I didn't necessarily feel like I had a lot of coaches behind me, but look, man, as a kid, I don't care what you want to do. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say you can do it, but I firmly believe that if, if you try your hardest, if it doesn't work out, you're going to end up way further along than, than when you started. And there's no telling what you can do. So, I mean, if you're not doing this for the right reasons, I don't, I don't feel like you should be doing it, period. So. Right. Well, let me ask you, since because you said something <clears throat> I didn't know about, you said you worked out for those three other teams. Did that help give you a little bit of motivation? Uh, yeah, I think any time that you, you suffer a setback, it should provide you with motivation. Man, I, I think about all the hardships that I had to go through to even get to that particular point, how many people I had to not really pay attention to when they said I wasn't that good. You know, you – you channel all of that stuff and all the disappointments into what you really want to. And if you truly want something, man, I, I really don't think that there's any stopping you whatsoever. You just have to, to be willing to sacrifice time, energy, effort, and everything else to get to where you want to be. No doubt, man. I love it. It's inspiring. So my last question for you before we move on to the next is uh, what would be, I mean, if you could just pick, I know, you know, injuries kind of cut it short for you, but what, what was that one highlight moment for you? The, the thing that sticks out that was your favorite thing on the field? Oh, man, the very first time I ever ran out to that many people. Man, I, I know people tell you, you can't really, you can't describe that feeling. And it's, it was one of, it's the accumulation of everything that you had ever done up to that particular point. 
and then to finally realize that you made it regardless of all the obstacles, regardless of, of everything else. It was just like, these people are cheering for me. And as stupid as it sounds, they're cheering because I get a chance to play a kid's game. But man, it it let me know that everything that I went through was validated at that particular point. And that's that's what I loved about it. Man, it was fun. That's what's up. So what was there was it just because it was just a, a, a physical game and you're just, you know, punishing yourself almost on a daily basis or was it you had a, a nagging injury <laughs> that led to a bigger injury and then you you tried to push through it to make the team and you just you just didn't have time to heal what was the the injury issue Man, well it was there was a ton of different things um i had torn my rotator cuff in college um when i actually got released from the lines and then i went to say for instance i went to new england Man, they did the shoulder test, and I had had a great workout. They pretty much told me, they said, look, the only thing that you have to do now is pass the physical. And I had to hold my shoulders up, and they pressed down. And for whatever reason, like, I couldn't hold my shoulder up. And, man, at that point, I was like, well, I'm going home. And the, the doctor looked at me. He was like, yep, you're going home. And it's because they can find somebody else that does exactly what you do. And they might not have a shoulder injury. So you end up looking at players as uh, products and commodities as opposed to real people. Yeah, and when you say running back, I mean, like you said, next man up, there's there's guys going to do it. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you say that's the hardest position to hold on to? Well, yeah, I would. I mean, you get hit every play. Besides the quarterback, you're the only one that really touches the ball, except for receivers. And then on top of that, <laughs> even if you're not carrying the ball, they ask you to pass block. You still come into contact. They ask you to, to carry out fakes. And if you're good at carrying out a fake, you're going to get tackled every play. I'm like, that's it. But it's it's about who can maintain um, their body the longest. And unfortunately, man, mine started giving out on me a little bit. So it is what it is. Yeah, that's. I think that's a, a tough pill to swallow for for a lot of people when you know that you do everything you're supposed to do and it just like it yeah happens there's no rhyme or reason you can't pinpoint it to anything other than like I'm that pushing my body to a limit every day you know and it just yeah. it gives out when it gives out and I I commend you for being just just being able to to push through and make it to a college team and much, much less make it to the NFL. Like, that's, like, you're a hell of an athlete, man. I think you're very humble when you, when you talk about it, which is which is awesome because it makes us having this conversation a lot easier because I feel like we can just ask you whatever and you're just kind of very, like, you know, I'll answer and be very open and honest about everything. I think when I decided that this was something that I could do for the rest of my life at a very young age, I sort of realized what it was going to take. I mean, there are not really many great people that you get an opportunity to see be extremely great over long periods of time, but those people are the ones that are willing to, to sacrifice. And the more you sacrifice, then at the end of the day, the bigger your reward. You just have to, to have a moral compass and, and really figure out what you're willing to negotiate on and what you're not, and then you just have to allocate time to it. And, yeah. 
man, over time, you can do anything. You also, there's a, a little bit of, you know, when you're moving to that level, you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Oh, you know that at any point, and it's it's cliche to sound like this could be my last day on this field. Like yeah. I make the most of it, and it, it's very true when you're working to make a team. Like that is extremely difficult. Well, it's it's the truth. I mean, you think about it, and and I mean, just like any of us, we can walk outside and get hurt, but we're willingly going to work, and we're willingly. Man, they're 350-pound men that can run just as fast as I could. Like, <laughs> and It ain't and, me. Yeah, but, <laughs> and, and I'm just like, all right, well, I'm going to get away from them. And, man, they're, it, at that point, everybody's good. The only time you really see people score and, and do great things is when somebody messes up on an assignment. And that's really it. Whenever one person messes up, then you might as well go ahead and say, hey, that's six, or unless they just get beat because they're just not as good as the offensive player that they're going against. But, man, at that point, everybody's good. Like, I will never forget my sort of, I guess, welcome to the league, like, hit. It was by this guy named Ernie Sims. He was at Florida State. He ended up coming there. And, man, we ran a toss sweep to the right-hand side. This man was playing the backside linebacker. So when I'm running to the right, he's the furthest linebacker on my left-hand side. And everybody sort of gets in position, and they sort of two-hand touch, and they tell you to keep running through. Man, everybody got position. They two-hand touch. I kept running. I sort of looked to my side at the last moment, and this guy has his hands in the air, face mask pointed right at my face mask. And all I remember is seeing, like, the top of the practice facility, and we both fall. They get mad at him. I'm mad. Like, I don't – all I can remember – is like, I just wanted to take my helmet off and just throw it. And man, I remember they're like, hurry up, get back to the huddle. So I go back, next play, I'm sitting here staring at him. I'm like, I'm trying to find this guy. And all I could think about was sort of, I guess, establishing my dominance because that's that's what kind of culture that they develop. And I promise you, as soon as I got the ball, I was planning and cutting just to find this guy, just so I could run into him. Hey, what, let me tell you, worst hit, though, brick mailbox or Sims? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it had to be Sims. That brick mailbox had nothing on him. <laughs> That's saying a lot. Shout That's out what, to Sims. Man, the brick mailbox wasn't going anywhere. Sims was running about a 4-4. Four four. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how are you feeling now, body-wise? Like, like you're removed from, from that part of your life. So, like, what's the body feel like now? Oh, it feels horrible. <laughs> but it's like, like I said before, like I, I made that decision and, and even while I was playing, I felt horrible, but it was something that I loved to do. And it was something that I felt like I could be really great at. So why not take a chance on it? I mean, I could wake up tomorrow and be gone. So I'm not going to sit here and, and live like I'm going to be scared the rest of my life. You know, at, at certain points you take, what comes at you and if I truly believe in what I say I believe in then why should I even worry about tomorrow because it's already taken care of so I mean I'm going to be taken care of at no point in my life have I never not been taken care of and as long as I understand that and I continue to back my actions up by trying to help others and and, and doing God's will then I, I feel like I'm going to be straight 
regardless of whoever believes me or whoever doesn't. Mm. I know where I'm going to be, so I sort of Preach. take it like that. Preach. <laughs> Let's go. So when I, when I look at your social media, it says, you know, men's physique competitor. Is that still happening? Yeah, no, man. I tore my Achilles like two years ago. Like after my last show, I was going to play in this alumni football game because our school was like, Irv, you have to play. And I that, was like. That didn't stop Kobe. I know. But look. Kobe was a plant ain't the same. Hey, no, I was going to say he wasn't running a 4 <laughs> oh, That and Allen probably don't have that hookup over in Europe to get them uh, injections. You know what I'm saying? No, not no stem cells. It was Germany. He but look, over, got the spinning. Look, I <laughs> I will get my wife to come in here right now and verify this story. But so our quarterback, and you probably remember him. You remember Brian Pearson, Daniel? Yes. So Brian was like, hey, Herb, he was like, line up out wide. And at that point, I was like, Brian, I just throw it up. Man, I took off about three steps into it. I heard my left Achilles pop. I hopped on my right foot and then sort of just sat down on the sideline and nobody knew what was going on. And they said, Irv, you all right? I was like, yeah, I tore it. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I was like, somebody help me take my shoe off. I can't feel my foot. And like, they were like, what are you talking about? And then I literally had to tell them I tore my Achilles. Mm -hmm. And man, I, I was surprised it didn't hurt as much as I thought. So, so what are you doing in the weight room these days? Man, you know, I, I do a lot of the things that our kids are doing. Um, man, one of the reasons that I felt like I, I hurt myself was because I was training for men's physique shows as opposed to to being an ath an explosive athlete like I was. So I, I do chalk that up to, I guess, a little bit of, of me just thinking I can get back out there and go. But, Man, I, I still do cleans. I still do man jerks. I still do a lot of movements. I, I encourage our kids to do those movements. We teach great form, proper technique, everything else. And then on top of that, of course, you know, you still gotta get a little bit of bench press in every now and then. Gotta but, get you know, gotta get those <laughs> mixed muscles. Man. Yeah, you know, I gotta make sure my wife's happy with what she sees. So what's your, <laughs> what's your stance on on CrossFit? How do you feel about CrossFit? Man, I think first of all. I think there's something for everybody. Like I did CrossFit for two and a half years and I, I wanted to be an athlete. Like I wanted to be like, Hey, look at me. I can clean 400 pounds. Like I, I wanted to do those things. Um, the one concern that I do have is that you have to really make sure that you go to a box that has extremely dedicated instructors, instructors that harp on technique form and everything else. But other than that, I mean, if you can constantly stay on your um, your mobility and flexibility, I think it's good. I think people should take more of an understanding and not try to jump to prescribed weights. I think they have to understand their bodies a little bit more. But if that's what you enjoy doing, by all means, do it. I understand my body. That's why I don't do that. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, I did it, and I, I want to go back. I love the, the competitive nature of it. I do think that you have to be at a really great box to where – the instructors can say, hey, look, you're nowhere near that level yet, but you will be and take care of the people. I think most people, they get a bad look on it because they see a bunch of people trying to do prescribed stuff or they try to do certain things and they just don't understand it. 
I think most issues come from people not wanting to look at things differently. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I think you, you see the CrossFit games on TV, you see it, you know, on the computer and you yeah. immediately go, well, I have a gym. I can do that. But in reality, like those guys are elite athletes. Yeah. There, there was a time where I thought to myself, I out of college, I just started CrossFit. I got my level one. I got my level two. I'm yep. like this, I, I can do this. And I was performing at a high, high level. But yeah. I mean, at some point, like you have, like, you just have to have the time. And I was trying to work and balance it all. And I, I, you can't spend six to eight hours in the gym and have a full-time job. And, you know, it's, it's extremely tough. So it is, I'll, I will never forget when I was training for my pro day, I worked out three times a day and then I worked at GNC on the weekend so I could get discounted supplements. And like, man, that was pretty much it. That was my life. It was Monday through Saturday, three times a day. I pretty much ate, slept, worked out, ate, slept, worked out, ate, slept, worked out, and then on the weekends, worked and read up on my supplements. That was pretty much it. Let me, let me tell you, Alan, I'm going to paint a picture for you. It ain't even a lie. When I was in Tampa a couple of weeks ago, me and the family were coming back from the beach, and we turned the corner onto Daniel Street, and he may have had 400 pounds on that bar out there power cleaning. In the street, 100 degrees, I kid you not, this man is a beast. And he, he's humble about it just like you are. And he's probably stronger than me now. I'm not even gonna lie to you about that. I actually problems. I actually did really have a back injury, but I probably could have worked out while I was there and I decided to wait till I got back from Florida so Daniel didn't overwork me and, and injure me because this man takes it seriously. So <laughs> But hey, but man, when you when you get with somebody that wants to work extremely hard. It's like you have no choice but to jump in with them and go the same speed. Yeah, I, I'm lucky. I'm wired to be very, like, intrinsically motivated and intense yeah. on my own. When I'm in a class or I have that extra push or that mm -hmm. extra competition, it, it makes it worse. Like, almost to my detriment where, like, form oh. goes out the window and you're just yeah. like, I want to win. Like, I want to compete and no, win. I agree. Um, I talked to a good friend of mine. He played in the NFL for – it was about 14 years, named Artis Hicks. And, uh, man, we were talking and we were sitting here. <laughs> we were like, dude, you know how many conversations we've had with ourselves and how many negative conversations they've been? And he pretty much was like, you literally have to be crazy to want to run into other grown men as fast as possible, all for the sake of a little kid game. <laughs> and well, I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? You're right. But you did it for so, free for a long time. <laughs> so if you think I wasn't trying to maximize the amount I made while I was there, you got to be kidding me. Of course. All right, so Alan, we, you know, we talked about college, we talked about the NFL, we talked about the fitness life afterward. Let's talk about present day. You know, obviously we got the coronavirus going on, but let's let's go to before all that happened. What what did a day with Alan Irvin look like? You know, nowadays. Oh God, man! I'm pretty much I wake up at about four thirty a.m. every day. In it? I, yeah. Well, I'm at the field house by about five thirty, and normally what I'll do is I'll train about two to three people from about 5.30 to 8. Since we're in the summer, 
football shows up, <laughs> excuse me, at around eight o'clock. We'll go from eight to about twelve thirty. Man, from there, I'll take about an hour. I'll get a chance to come home, play with the kids for a second, then go back. And then normally I'm training from about one to about three. Then I have baseball and basketball from three to about five. Then I'll have cross country and then I'll train some more people to about seven o'clock. Man, that's about it. All right. So so with that, tell tell everybody, you know, where it is that you're you're coaching the school, your role, and, and you know, let everybody know what you're talking about. Man, I'm I'm blessed to be at a, a school. Um guys, y'all probably remember when we played them in high school, Jackson Christian in Jackson, Tennessee. Um, man, I've been there for about nine years coaching football and then I also do all of our strength and conditioning for sixth grade all the way through 12. And then, of course, I do personal training on the side. So, man, I'm always working. I still – I coach all of my kids' sports. Um, man, they, they play a ton of stuff. So, do, you see, uh, do you see any athletes that you're working with, uh, whether coaching or the, the strength, that you <coughs> really see that might be able to go to the next level because they got that work ethic? Yeah, actually, man, I've been coaching a kid named Lane Forsythe for the past three years, he had committed to Mississippi State three years ago. And so he's now graduating. He's headed to Mississippi State as a freshman. Man, there are a ton of kids that, that I've been able to, to work with that are, are doing other things. But I, I like to to think that it's because I can give them a little bit of knowledge that, that man, we didn't have when we were growing up. And I think they understand that if you really want to be great, you have to really – you have to put a lot of time and energy into it, man. I'll be, I'll be honest, Alan, and you can probably vouch for this. I don't think in all of my high school and college time, I had anybody that taught me about lifting weights. Yeah. It was all on my own. Yeah. Trial yeah. and error. Like that I was, was my like, problem. I was <laughs> doing stuff probably I shouldn't have been doing. Chuck Bowler taught me. That's why I couldn't get <laughs> higher than 160. Hey, but man, Chuck was a good dude, man. He tried hard. You remember the, uh what was his brother's name? Oh. He used to tell us that we could drink uh beer and it was like liquid cornflakes. Yeah. Man, I don't know. He used to kick me in my behind all the time. I try to forget <laughs> about his brother. Oh my goodness. Man, but it's it's one of those things that if you can teach kids at an early age proper technique and form, it's something that they can carry with them for the rest of their lives and then man, you feel like you've affected their lives for forever. And that's that's what I love about it. You get to help people. So, Alan, I've heard you talk a lot of everything you kind of said. You've mentioned your dad a bunch of times. So, you know, you being a father of three yourself, how important is it just for you to be that part of your kid's life and just kind of guide them? And how, how serious is that like your greatest task in life? I know it is for me. Yeah, like I, I'm not going to sit here. I'm not perfect. So there are certain things that – None of us are, brother. No, and there are certain things my kids don't like. There are certain things that I didn't like that my dad did. But, man, I, I think in terms of regardless of whether you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, it's important to be there. I mean, we're we're literally raising people that are going to affect our world for, man, years after we're gone. And I think it's important that we sort of guide them in the right way and help them make important decisions. And and even on, on top of that, man, we have to be able to to talk to them and say, this is why we don't do certain things. And even when I was growing up, I never was told why. I was just saying, I was just told, don't do this. 
So I, I think it's important that we guide our kids, we talk to them, and we explain why you shouldn't do certain things and why you shouldn't be in certain situations. I know no. if I was told why, I, I probably wouldn't have did half the stuff I did. No, no, absolutely. And obviously in this day and time, you know, it's a touchy subject, but, you know, you have to have that conversation, you know, uh, you should mention it, black, white, and different. So you have biracial children. You have to have that conversation on another level too. You know, when they yeah. start, I know we talked about it a couple of weeks back, my daughter, uh, she was, ha she had the black lives matter on her, on her TikTok, which is great. I love the movement, but I had a conversation with her like, what does this mean to you? Yes. And are you standing for what's right? So trying to take us through that conversation you've had to have with your kids. Yeah, dude, I'm not going to sit here and lie. Like, I, I think my kids, they don't look white. You know, I mean, they look brown. So I, I literally have to tell my kids, I'm like, look, you're black. <laughs> and and even my wife, she agrees with me. And there are things that we talk about. And I had to explain to my kids, I think it was two or two and a half years ago, I was pulled over by six police officers. And they said that I had matched the description of somebody that shot somebody. But luckily, out of those six police officers, I knew two of them. And they were like, Irv? And I was like, what's up, guys? And they were like, man, we got the wrong dude. Oh, so, man. <laughs> and I, I was able to go. And you know, we're, we're laughing, but that's, you know, that's reality. It's scary. That, that's, and, 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 you know, we talked about it before. Me and DB and Jim have talked about it. That's a reality that, you know, unfairly that we might not understand in the way that you do and that your kids are going to have to deal with. So it's yeah. always it's something I wanted to bring up as great as, of the, the all the feats that you've accomplished uh, you know uh, i know that that's been a big topic fatherhood matters to all of us here big yeah. part of the show so i'm glad you could share that with us man i appreciate it and I, I think at the end of the day man if we treat each other the same i, I personally don't believe that there are races like there's one race the human race and Amen, we're brother. all the same except i might be a little bit darker than you but look, I'm, I, I'm going to Florida. I'm forgetting my tan on, bro. Hey, that's what I make fun of my kids. I'm like, look, bro, I'm just a little burnt. But at hey. the same time, I'm, I'm going to treat you how, I, excuse me, how I want to be treated. And, and that's how I always remember you treating me, man. I know we, and, and I hope the same for you, man. You know, I don't, uh, you know, in the school we went to it was, it was, you know, we were yeah. very, you know, it was, we had a good, great mix of everybody, but we didn't see it like that. It weren't like, oh, well, we're 50, 50. No, it was like, we was just yeah. all kicking it. No, and we enjoyed it, man. I remember some bonfire parties and everything. Oh, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. So, you know, we talked about a lot, you know, the past and where you've been. But, you know, so I know you, a guy like you, you got a plan. So where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? And there's no telling. I'm currently working on a, a clothing brand. Oh, you know. Oh, oh, big plug. Here we go. <laughs> Let's see that. You know what I'm saying? I got some jackets and everything else. Hold on. Let me get it in there. Oh, but, yeah. I, oh. Where can I cop some? So, of course, I'm working on the website. I have to, to tell you about everything a little bit later. I'm also working on a, a nonprofit. And um, speaking of hits to the head, man, it's, it's something that's, that's extremely close to me is, um, is depression. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times you go through certain things and, and people don't necessarily understand all the pressure that you put on yourself <clears throat> when you get to certain situations or when you're trying to achieve certain things. And, and I was never taught to talk about certain things. And you know, you know, like I know when you bury things inside and you never talk about them, then eventually they can essentially eat you alive. So it's one of those things, man, if you need to talk to somebody, by all means, talk to somebody. 
Yeah, me and you talked about this a little bit on the phone the other night, and I didn't want to go in too deep because I was hoping that we would bring it up on the show, and it yeah. did come up naturally for you. And, you know, we, we live two different lives in the sense of I experienced some things through in the military and going to Iraq, and you did on the football field. And you talked to me a lot about, you know, concussions and the after effects and everything. And, you know, you're talking about depression now. And, you know, I can definitely relate. But, like, you know, you said you were telling me about football players and people really don't understand. Speak out to what you were talking about the other night about what football players deal with after they get done playing. Well, man, you know, for my entire life, I, I think I was was fighting for a certain persona. Um, you know, people were like, hey, you're good at football. And for a long time, I feel like that was the only thing that people really sort of acknowledged that I could provide for them. So I think that sort of led into me really wanting to play. And then at that point, once I, I realized that I was good at it, then, man, I, I wanted to do it for the rest of my life. And I think when you put your identity inside of something that, that isn't what you truly believe in, I think you lead yourself or you leave yourself open for a lot of disappointment and you know now I think everybody has plans I wanted to retire when I was 34 I was like I'm 35 like I wanted to be on the other side of the world on a yacht hanging out with my kids and everything else but people also didn't see when I was 22 having my first child and I saw a phone call it said the Detroit Lions and I thought they were calling to see how I was doing but I got released while my wife was in labor and, like, people don't realize that, like, my whole life changed. And people also think that you get paid all this money. And I'm just like, where do y'all see this? And I'm like, you see the same eight people get paid over and over and over again. I'm like, you don't see a ton of other people. So I, I think a lot of people have this huge misconception about what happens after, I guess, you leave college and what happens with a certain group of people and what what happens with everybody else. So. Yeah, and I think and I think that's why I feel like we can relate as athletes and, you know, ex-military. You like you said you you live up to this persona. You you know yourself as being someone who serves the country and no different than you as a grinder. It's not like we get paid a ton of money and then you get out and a lot of people, you know, find themselves struggling to find their identity. And I think that's where the depression comes in for, yep. for so many on both sides of it, because, you know, and, and, th and that's why I'm thankful for my family. And I'm sure you are, because that's what keeps me level headed. But not everybody has that, you know, support system. No, and that's true. And, and luckily for me, I have three beautiful kids. I have a gorgeous wife. But I mean, you do something. I'm 35. I've played football 17 of those 35 years. And Man, you're you know, old, bro. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm getting there. <laughs> but, like, even I, I remember when I played, I asked my parents because I got released, and they were telling me about how I needed to find a job. And I was like, yo, I'm going to be signed next week, so don't worry about it. <laughs> and, and um, man, I, I remember telling them, I'm like, have you ever done anything that you truly enjoyed for 10 or more years of your life? And they told me no. And I'm like, then you will never understand how I feel. I'm like, I literally enjoyed these these moments for all of these years, and I get a chance to keep doing it. And not that many people get that chance. I'm like, I'm living a dream right now. And then when it sort of gets pulled out from underneath you, man, sometimes you just don't know what to, know what to do. And it's essentially like you're starting all the way over. And 
unfortunately for some, you have to do it. And unfortunately for others, they, they get a chance to make millions of dollars. But I'm still happy with where I am. And I still feel like I have opportunities to make millions of dollars. So I'm there good to go. Hey man, it's, it's been, this has been a, a, a great episode, man. A lot of, a lot of insight and just breaking down the layers of Alan Irvin and catching up on what you've been up to has been, has been awesome. But um, as we wrap up here, we like to do a, a little game with our, our guests. Oh, let's go. It's called this or that. It's very simple. I give you two things and you choose the one that for, that pops into your mind that speaks to you the most. All right, cool. Well, forgive me if I say something random. Well, you're you're on the hot, <laughs> so I'm gonna tell you. Offense or defense? Oh, offense, baby. Steak or chicken? Ooh, steak. Pre-workout or post-workout supplements? Oh, post. But I love pre-workouts, though. I'm not gonna lie to you. That little tingle that you get, I'm like, yes. So does Jim. Jim's yeah. all lit <laughs> AF, baby. It makes Jim angry, though. You got to get him off of that. Let's get mad. I, I did, look, I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes I'll put Project Pat in and I go to work. Nice. Man, that's what Shout I'm out Project Pat. <laughs> so would you rather bench more or squat more? Oh, squat more, definitely. NFL or NCAA? I'll go NFL. Forget the NCAA. They didn't recruit me. So, <laughs> hey, baby. Chocolate chip or peanut butter? Oh, chocolate chip. Pancakes or waffles? Oh, I'm going pancakes. Water or coffee? Oh, God. I, I, it's water, but I drink way more coffee. I'm not going to lie to you. Would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future? Yo, I like to fast forward to the future. I, I already lived the past. So I'm good with that. I'm I'm happy with how everything turned out. I'm where I'm supposed to be, man. Let's see what what I got in the future. Introvert or extrovert? Oh yeah, I'm both, man. Y'all don't understand, like I you ain't no introvert. Quit lying. No, but look, like ask my wife. I'll talk to everybody as soon as I get home. I'm just like this. Same, brother. Same. I, I just gotta be by myself. Like, That's because we both got so many damn kids, we can't get no words in. We're like, all right, y'all go ahead. That's it. Man, I'm sorry. It's, it's somewhere in the middle on that one. Gotcha. So the 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 next question was Tupac or Biggie, but then you talked about Project Pat. So Ooh, no, we're going Project Pat. Okay. Uh, I was like in the old school three six mafia. Dogs or cats? Oh, dogs. Oh God. Are you, that sure, little, are you sure? Except for that yeah. little one. Look, man, cats are horrible. Like, we've had two cats. This cat, one of them, it just peed everywhere. And I was like, why? Mm. And the other cat, it just, like, kept scraping. And I'm like, look, we got to do something about this. I'm like, this cat's trying to kill me. This other cat's peeing. I'm like, no, nah, get these cats out of the house. You, you ever thought about no animals? Like, you, you... <laughs> No, I love dogs, though. No, like, he needs a pet tiger. That's what he needs. Man. Damn, Mike Tyson. Uh, look, yeah, I'm like, please no. <laughs> if they try to eat me, it's over with. Like, I, I'm not surviving that. So I, I was asked to, to put this in the this or that segment. <laughs> uh, shoot. Victor Robinson or Floyd Bonner? Woo! Let's go. Yeah. Hey, Vic does listen. 
I know, but man, they both had. Look, I'm, I'm gonna tell you this. I think when when I I got a chance to block for Floyd, I was like, man, Floyd had. He was more so of a power back. Like he could hit the hole, he could accelerate, he could drive his knees and short yardage. He's great. But man, I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you. When I got a chance to block for Victor too. Man, he could turn something into nothing. I mean, turn nothing into something. I'm like, and that's, you sort of got to give him the edge. I'm like, I, I got to get an edge to Victor. See, that's that 03 bias, man. See, I, I don't know about this, man. Look, Floyd, look. First of all, I will tell you this. Floyd was a beast. He was. Now, if we took both of those guys and we put them in the same system, then we can have an honest battle. But we're in two different systems. Look, the, the easy answer on all this is we, we scrap Floyd and Vic. You put Jeremy Meeks at fullback. You put Allen at running back. And let's go. I was like, especially that uh, 04 Allen. Oh, yeah. The one that randomly just, like, blew up. I was like, cool. But, no, I, man, I, I love Floyd. I love Vic. Man, they were both great running backs. And, and man, I think we all made each other better. And that's what I loved about Bolton. That's what I loved about our football program. Man, that's what I love about you guys. Man, we always try to, to help each other out. We always try to, to help each other do more than what we've done in the past. And that's that's it. It's the name of the game. Is there? I know you got your clothing line. Anything you want to plug or promote? No, man. I was like, everything's in works. I'm actually starting a nonprofit. Um, man, I just want to help people. Man, that's that's the only thing that I've ever really wanted to do in life. Even when I played football, man, I, I did every man uh, nonprofit event that we had. I was there, and that's what I want to do. Man, if I can can help people, I think I'll die a happy person. So, man, that's it. Man, that's well said from a, from a good man. We've. Um, yeah. I'm We've trying. known that, and, and we're glad that the audience gets a chance to, to hear about it and hear your story. Um, but before we end the episode, we always like to do around the horn and just talk about anything, one, one item, one headline, one trending point on Twitter, whatever it is, just one thing that you feel, um, you know, feel adamant about speaking to so alan I'll, I'll let you go man anything going on in the world anything in the sports world life that you want to bring up anything you're passionate about which i think we we brought up a little bit earlier and we we talk about equality i'm like i think at the end of the day if everybody treats each other like they would want to be treated a lot of things would get solved i do understand that there are a lot of great police officers speaking of I got pulled over by six. If two of them didn't know me and couldn't testify to who I was as a person, I personally don't know where I'd be. Things could have went right. Things could have went left. But I also understand that there are a lot of angry people. You know, even growing up in Bolton, there were a lot of different things that, that happened. We had coaches that, that thought we could only play football. That We had coaches that would talk about – us as players behind our backs, but in front of us, they would tell us we're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I think in general, as a population, we all want to be treated fairly and we all want the same things. And that's an opportunity to, to give our families the best life possible. 
So if people look at it a little bit differently, regardless of whatever their views are, and we look at it as us trying to to create equality for our families and provide, I think, man, we can get rid of a lot of it. I was like, but until people are willing to open their eyes and, and listen and understand from multiple sides of things, man, things will never get better. And that's sort of what, what hurts my heart. Yeah, well said, Alan. And that's, that's good. You know, I know this show, that's what we want as well. Is I, I don't want anybody, you know, my kids to, you know, have to explain why they're putting Black Lives Matter. I don't want them to have to explain, you know, any of that stuff. And But also I'm, I'm aware that, uh, you know, my kids are all white kids and they may not know the same struggles, unfortunately, that you had to grow up with that, that me and DB and Jim didn't. So I appreciate you stepping out on that. My, uh, my around the horn is a, a little bit different. I, I love to talk finance. And I found something in reading the last couple of days that I think I found the happiest guy in the NBA that it's starting back up. Joel Embiid, you all know him. Oh, yeah. That man signed a five-year, $148 million deal in 2017. However, it was heavily incentivized with the minutes, right? So this year, he had to get 1,650 minutes, and then the season ended. He wasn't going to hit his guarantee. They come back and they say, hey, we're going to play in the bubble. We're starting back July 31st. We all know that. They prorate the minutes to 1329. He automatically hits the qualifier, gets $95 million because of that. Man, sometimes people are hey, but Hey, shout out Joel Embiid. Get oh that bread, God. young fella. It's like he, he knew something that we didn't. In yeah, 2017, Joel Embiid said, you know what? Go ahead and put that minutes restriction in. It's all good. <laughs> Don't worry, the corona's coming. I'll be all right. That's right, baby. So you shout know. out Joel Embiid. I'm happy he's getting that bread. Not mainly just happy that my Memphis Grizz is going to go down there and upset everybody and win the ship. Hey, let's go. Let's hey, go. Hey, let me tell you something, Alan. If they do, me and Daniel got a ticket worth 25 grand. All we had to do was literally bet $45 because they're that much of an underdog. Hey, look, man, more power to you. I'm <laughs> like, I hope you win. I'm going to be the first one shouting. I'm going to be like, oh, they paid. Yo, I'm gonna I'm gonna be buying jackets and clothes. From my boy <laughs> Alan Irvin. Look, I'm gonna be like all proceeds go to this foundation. To the hey, re, hey, real quick before before we jump to the next around the horn, uh, you ever you ever listen to all the Smoke podcasts with Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson? No, is it is it pretty uh, good? Uh, it's the it's the best it's podcast other than ours. So check this. They got an episode on there. Stephen Jackson's called the begging ass section, right? So the whole <laughs> yeah. section where they just beg for shit. So that's going to be next. Next time you're a guest, we're going to need some loot, baby. We need some oh, shots. Look, I'll Come put on. it all in front. I'll be like, look, you tell me what you want. It'll be there within three you got, days. Hey, you got Husky. You got like two XL. Bro, right now, bro. Get that I'm, long. I got you. Oh. I'm like big, tall, short, small, medium, whatever you want. I got you. Hold up. I see Jim over there. You got some 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 beer brushes? Hey, your logo look. On them? hey look. I can put the logo on it and send them out. Hey, let's get it brand up, baby. Hey, let's go. Oh, man. All right, Jim, around the horn, what do you got for us? Man, I'm going to take over the show because I got like three three small things. So start with, uh, since we're all Cardinals fans, Yadier Molina turned 38 years old today, 17 years in the league, nine gold gloves. He is the model of consistency, so happy birthday to him. 
Jim, real quick, does it feel like Yachty is like close to our age? I mean, I feel like dude is like 72. <laughs> no, no doubt, man. I mean, he's just a step so older many, than us. There's so many Molinas. Like you, oh man, there's none greater than Yachty though. No, no doubt. <laughs> at all, the same guy. Yeah, I think what's crazy. I think what's crazy is to think about the fact that we watched, or at least I did. I'm pretty sure y'all did watch him in the Redbirds organization for a short time. It's crazy yeah. to think that, first of all, AutoZone Park's been around that long, but then he was even playing there. He couldn't hit back then, though. <laughs> all right. All right, so the second one, uh, I got I to gotta plug my son's podcast. He did his first episode last night. As Daniel called him, Reverend Jackson, he, he did his first – church podcast as he calls it and uh so it's church with jack so if y'all y'all want to get some gospel he he uh did those 10 commandments last night so if you need to get on top of that we got that going but the last one you know one thing that alan doesn't know because we haven't talked that much is he doesn't know about my infatuation with a certain athlete i uh it's you know randy and daniel think it's a little over the top um if my if my screen was turned a little bit more you'd be able to see the the mural of him Russell Westbrook. Russell, no, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, you can see the corner of him up there. Anyway, Russell Westbrook, you know, came out today and said he had the the coronavirus. And so I want to wish him well. But, you know, as bad as this sounds, because he came out and said that he feels perfectly fine and most of these athletes do, this is the best thing that could have happened as far as for the NBA playoffs because, you know, the biggest fear for these teams is they're worried about getting it when they're in the middle of playing and then you have to sit out two weeks. He is going to be done, be quarantined for 14 days, assuming nothing goes wrong, and he won't even miss a single game. So, you know, I'm pretty stoked about that. And, I mean, because he's a – a machine, which Eric Hasseltine, who is our guest next week, he'll tell you because Randy's a hater. If you could build a perfect specimen, he said Russell Westbrook may be that guy. Oh man, it's a bold statement. So, Give me LeBron all day. <laughs> you know, I, I was gonna on my around the horn. I was gonna shout out Happy Birthday to Yachty. I'll give him a shout out again. He's well deserved. And then I was gonna bring up coronavirus and Russell Westbrook, but Doctor. <laughs> Dr. Cross, MD. <laughs> well, we might need to check on we might need to check on Alan because that cough's hey. getting serious over there. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're zooming. Like, oh God, everybody's gonna think I'm about to die. Hey, I'm not gonna lie. I was I was in a group text texting him like, "Hey, bro, does he got Rona?" No, I was like, "Man, it's just my." Like, he's not. He's not even making that up either, Alan. Oh my goodness! No, I definitely don't have Rona. So I, I'm I'm gonna land on the Rashawn Holmes the center for the Kings decided he wanted to make his name known to all. And he is now back in quarantine because he wanted to leave the bubble for a food delivery. So I, I ask you guys like, is, is it that bad where you're like, I just, I just have to get food. I can't wait it out. I can't like, I can't do you know, this amount of time without my favorite burger. But when I think about that, like part of me is like, yeah, I could see that. But then I got to thinking what, what food place would, would draw you to leave the bubble to go to quarantine? (laughs) Like, like Wingaroo, Wingaroo in Memphis. (laughs) I was like, look, there is nothing that made him leave. It's pretty much, Look, I make this 
ain't worried about it. I'm gone. That's what he decided to do. But Randy texted me the other day, and, you know, he said it's a bad look for these athletes to be complaining. And I agree. And, you know, we were talking about athletes and military members, and, you know, we got to go overseas, and we got to, you know, deal with the schedule that we got. We got to eat what they have, and we got to sleep where they, they yeah. got conditions. And we do it for a lot longer. And so I don't think with the money they're making and the fact that they're competing for a championship – um, it's too much. I, you know, I hate no. Patrick Beverly. I hate Patrick Beverly, Alan Irvin. I'm telling you, man, we, we, we talked about the Westbrook thing, but yeah. his video, his video, he said, it's all about what you make of it. And this man had his room decked out the way he wanted. And he said he was good to go. But John Morant said, I'm look, I'm ramen noodle. Look, I wouldn't care either. You yeah. pay me all that money and tell me to stay in a hotel room. I would be like, thank you. I'm going to say less fam. When I get out. Yeah. Like, you want me to hang out here and you still gonna pay me how much? Say less. Brandon Clark has no problem staying staying. Zero at problems. Uh, like, Look, Russell Westbrook hated that idea so much that he faked the coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> so you stay at home. I'm like, man. But no, that that's hey, all jokes aside, guys. We was talking about betting on them grizzlies. You know, they are the ones not complaining. They are the ones embracing this moment. So them young them young cats may really do something. Yeah. Hey, Alan, we had a guest on a couple weeks ago. Uh, actually, it was last week. A uh, friend of mine, John John uh, yeah. Bolin, he's a pitcher for the uh, Kansas City Royals. He's in the, uh, you know, low A's. But he was talking yeah, about how, you know, they're pros. They're getting paid, right? He was a second-round yeah. draft pick, first day. And uh, they talk about how they're taking 12-hour bus rides and staying in Roach Coach motels and stuff. Yeah. So, it's a, it's a drastic difference. Obviously, he's not in the major leagues, but yeah. to hear these players complaining just is driving me up a fucking wall, man. I can't. Yeah, no, it does. And, like, there, there are only certain things that I can sort of understand. Like, in that instance, I cannot understand you complaining about food. Like, look, you can essentially buy whatever you want to and get it delivered. It doesn't really matter. Now, of course, when we talk about contracts and people holding out, I'm going to have a little bit different view on that than, than other people because you only get a certain amount of time to play the sport you love. And it's just like going to work. If you do a job and you do it well, are you not going to ask for a raise? Alan, my number one rule in life is I don't get between a man and his bread. But that's it. I'm like, look, I know next week I might walk out, break my neck, and you're like, well, we'll never pay him ever again. Then what about my kids? What about my family? So I can understand that. But now when it comes to food and you got to stay in a hotel because of the coronavirus and you you do something stupid, yeah, that's that's on a different level. It ain't the Howard Johnson they're staying in. No, that's what I'm saying. Or the well, Motel 6. And, and I live about an hour away from, from where they're playing. And yeah. the places that they're staying is like, like – if, I, if I'm saving up for a vacation, that's where I want to stay. <laughs> that's oh, look, I go did, to did, Rash, did Rashawn come swim in your pool? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, man, I I think – Sean, come on over, man. <laughs> Alan, Alan, DB got a cover over his – he got a pool inside a house, bro. What? Hey, <laughs> next time I'm, I'm down there, I'm going. Hey, Hit me I'm up. I'm going up right at DB's house. Hey, got a place to stay, man. I thought it was a real cool thing until he told me why. He said, if I didn't have that cover, the fucking alligators would be in my pool. I'm like, oh, wait, for real? Yeah. Yeah. And then he go message and then he gonna message me all week talking about all the snakes he's been catching. I'm like, I'm glad that happened after I left. Yeah, never mind. I'm never coming to visit. Dave. You gotta visit me down here. 
that brick mailbox didn't have shit on what would happen. Or oh, some alligators. No, hell no. That's why I was okay with you coming, Alan, is I don't have brick around my mailbox. It's a, a very quick stick. Just dig hey. a hole and put it back in. He said, but man, just make sure you don't have any wooden mailboxes either. Those are those are still up there. You never know. At any point, they can just turn. All right, man. We've we've said a lot. We've talked a lot. We've had a good time <laughs> catching up and just getting, you know, the the inside scoop with you, Alan. I w- I want to thank you and tell you, brother, yeah. I love you. Glad glad you're yeah, doing. I love y'all you. too. And and we hope uh, once once you get this non for profit and this clothing line up, we'll bring you back on and we'll we'll hang out. We'll shoot the shit and we'll we'll talk and play. Hey, Man, let's change the world because I think, man, in nowadays time, we have the ability to do so much more than what we could as little kids. So, man, let's take advantage of it. Let's have fun and, man, let's do some cool things. Absolutely. And for our listeners, please give us some feedback. Give us some likes. uh, Spread the word in Off the Bench Podcast. We post every Monday night, Tuesday morning, depending on how our double-A deucer Big Jim does with the editing. Dr. Cross. Dr. Cross. That's what happens when you watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy. You, you... <laughs> hey, man, he, he's not even making that up. I'm like in season nine now. I'm rolling. But look, everybody has their own thing. That's uh, right, baby. That's right. So if you mom was scandal. <laughs> Olivia Pope. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, All right. So if, if, if you guys are – average joes into listening to us talk x's and o's please tune in to our next podcast we'll be having the radio voice of the memphis grizzlies mr eric hasselstein on the show uh we're gonna get into the bubble we're gonna talk some grizzlies basketball we're gonna talk about his journey from um the west coast to the grind city and it's gonna be a lot of fun um but you know for myself jim and randy this has been in off the bench episode 13 and we are out